0: Everybody has a question whether to join an established multinational company or a startup. In fact, we have had a couple of discussions around working for startups is better or working for corporates is better or the PSUs is better. Likewise, there are so many questions. And in addition to that, few people also have a question around, why don't I get into my own entrepreneurship? Likewise, there are maybe so many questions revolving in your head at this moment. And today we are going to unleash the most coveted topic, pros and cons of working for startups. Nikesh Jain is an entrepreneur in LearnTech space. We have hosted him on episode 163, one of the most popular episodes on the Guiding Voice platform. And he covered an interesting topic, career progression to middle-level managers. And I always enjoy talking to him because he's to the point and he leads a lot of candid conversations and he shares his expertise without holding anything back and we are extremely excited to have him back to cover the most coveted topic the pros and cons of working for start and this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future friends i'm your host Navin Samala just a fellow it professional but a passionate learner on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe through the guiding voice we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and your career successful leaders across the globe share their knowledge and wisdom with the world through our platform so that our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into the guiding voice for every minute than any other podcast in this space and thank you so much for tuning in we are extremely pleased to have nikesh come back and do this episode with us nikesh hearty welcome and i'm super excited super thrilled to have you join me today as well
1: i mean thank you very much for having me it's always pleasure to talk to you
0: so Nikesh, let's uh, jump into the topic. Experience working for startups. Like I've seen your career trajectory. Like uh, you work for established companies as well as uh, startups, and which were in nascent stage and which grew to a billion-dollar organizations. And right now you are leading your own venture. What, what has been your experience working for startups?
1: I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed Naveen. Uh, you know, I've been uh, you know if if I if I divide my twenty six year of career, uh, I just realized that I worked for 50% of the time I work for startups, both in US and India. So, you know, uh, I go and look back to that journey and, you know, uh, uh, really, really say, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun experience, learned a lot. Uh, and then by God's grace, you know, I was able to make some money out, out of that those startups as well. So the experience has been fulfilling, I would say, I mean, whatever typical purpose you Uh, work for a startup or uh, I mean those were fulfilled so yeah my experience has been fabulous
0: so can you talk about the pros and cons for uh, startup from your perspective see the
1: pros are definitely and I'll talk about some pros some of the advantages one gets uh, one if one gets to work for a startup startup is a small setup right so uh, you you go and work for a company which is like 20 people, 100 people, in some cases, 200 people. Now, depending on the stage where you are going in, one of the biggest pros is like your learning abilities, learning opportunities. If you are working for a 20-people company, you are wearing multiple hats. So you you, you know you are a developer. You, at times, you are a tester also. You, you are deploying also. So from the tech point of view, you get to learn a lot. Now, you know if you are in, in, in implementation teams, uh, if it's enterprise software, I mean, you get to talk to your customers. You get to your exposure is like huge. So the learning opportunity is always there. And, and then startups, you know, they it, they run at really two hundred miles per hour. Any startup, I mean, you know, you join, you know, uh, they they run very fast. So uh, with that, your learning curve is as such. And then, of course, you know, the second second opera, second pro uh, is like you know. So one is learning, right? Second is an opportunity to create wealth. So only startups offer you that. Let me be very clear about that part. You may be working for, um, especially I'm talking about uh, the people at uh, uh, engineer level or at the mid-management level. I'm not talking about people you know who are uh, at a C level, but but for people at that level, if you want to create wealth for yourself at that age of the life, uh, you know, startup is the way forward if it works out for you. So in a second uh, pro uh, or uh, a potential is like, you know, you can make a lot of wealth. If you are participating in that startup, like, you know, if founders have shared some equity with you and if the startup does well, you know, you, you can create wealth for yourself you know, four, five, six years, whatever time frame we're talking about here. Con, if one con I can talk about it, like, uh, uh, I, I, let, let me talk about a couple of them. One, like, again, you know, it's related to the previous one uh, because a startup, small setup, you end up doing a lot of things at times you know if if you if you keep doing that you may get burnt out one obvious one right you know if you if you are not there and if you are just working 16 17 hours a day for how long you can do that so hopefully you know hopefully when you get into that mode that startup grows and then you get more help so you can hire more people and then you know you you, you can delegate some of your work so that is one definitely definitely a potential con you work extras and you might get burnt out uh, the second thing you know it may not provide you that job security which you are looking for the startups are always uh, always a risky business i mean more risk more reward right as as simple as that so if you join a startup uh, for some reason if it does not go well they are not able to raise the next round or they burnt very fast uh, you, you know they might lay you off very well possible right uh, so I'll, I'll share one example naveen uh, as usual uh, I was working for this startup in US. This is back in 2000. I joined them, I think, and the bubble bust hadn't happened. It was like you know, it was just building up. I would say so. This was an enterprise software startup, hundred people company. First, during Christmas, I joined in November of that year. During Christmas, they let go about ten people in the sales because they figured out you know uh, they can't uh, afford the, those people. Then I remember in January, immediately after Christmas, uh, January uh, one of the Sundays. I get a call from my uh, manager her name is Heidi uh, and by that time I think we were 95 people company uh, she calls me and says Nikesh you know tomorrow we are laying off 75 people 75% of the company I'm calling you because you are not one of them now you know my heart was pump- pumping like you know yeah. uh, uh, we had just delivered delivered a baby and then you know uh, and I was an h1 so basically if I lose my job the only thing I can do is like going to come back to India I think yeah. yes. so uh, Went back to office, uh, uh, I mean, you know, went to office on Monday, eight o'clock, and I saw that company, I mean, everybody was packing, and people were crying. Now, that experience made me, in the sense like, you know, then I realized my startup is such a risky business. And then after that also, like, you know, we had, we had money for only uh, three or four months for those remaining 25 odd people, right? And we were trying to sell this company to uh, other uh, other companies, and I think Microsoft came uh, the couple more companies came. Luckily, in month of April or May, we were able to sell off. Uh, so some a public limited company bought us, and since then it was okay. But think about my journey. Uh, you know, those three four months when literally, like you know, uh, I went through so much trauma. Like anything could have happened, right? So yeah, that is one of the cons. The job security can't expect from startups.
0: I, I can totally relate to that. And uh, moving ahead. Nikesh, you have uh, started this Edurigo and uh, before that also you worked for uh, another company, uh, I think in Pune, right? If I remember it correctly, that was also startup and uh, yeah. So throughout this journey, right? What are some of the toughest lessons that you have learned, especially as an entrepreneur? Because we go with some vision, we jump into it without without probably uh, anticipating something might happen, right? Likewise, we will come across some bouncers on our way. And how do we deal with that? And also, what are some toughest lessons?
1: Yeah, so, uh, so perfect question. I mean, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, this is my first experience, honestly. So it's been two years. In fact, you know, in next uh, five days, we'll be completing two years uh, of uh, Adirigo. I think uh, as an I'm in- I'm an engineer by, uh, by nature, by heart. So building product was easy for me. I mean, it's always been easy uh, business for me. One thing which I'm learning, selling it. Basically, you know, making that money, bringing that money. I mean, uh, so one of the tough experience is uh, like, you know, how do you position your product? How do you convince people to use your product? And I'm sure you talk to any founder, this is the toughest nut to crack, right? The other challenge, which I've learned recently, and you know, I wish I could change it some way. Uh, how do I uh, become a startup from the day one, which has 10 years of experience? You know what I'm saying? You know, everybody expects like, so one of the, I'll share an example. And this is, this broke my heart. Uh, Like, you know, one company, you know, uh, we have an amazing software, amazing platform. So we showed it to one of the good logos in India, right? Uh, It's a well-known company. Uh, I really wanted that logo. So uh, they did POC with us. Uh, Everything went well. And they were using an American company's uh, platform. And we, we, we were replacing them because some of the problems which they were facing that American company was not able to solve. And we solved that. With like you know, click of a finger, so everything went well. Uh, Just before signing, you know, there was an org change and the new uh, new head of a function came on board. You know, when people went to her that we are we are signing up with this company, and she said, "Oh well, you know what? Uh, This company is just too small right now. They are just two years old." And I'm like, "How does it matter? Right? We are solving your problem." Uh, So so. And that deal actually was taken away from us just because of that. It it, it broke my heart, and I said, you know, my twenty-six year experience building those, you know, market platforms, uh, you know, selling it to who is who of the world. Uh, yeah. Right? Uh, that experience doesn't matter. So, so so that's the that's the challenge with startups, right? In the initial few years. So now I'm waiting for me to age, like gracefully, like when I mean, become you know, four years, and I can say, you know, don't <laughs> worry, you know, we are we are four year old company. But again, jokes <laughs> apart, I mean, you know, this is. Uh, convincing people uh, it's it's the most difficult part uh, you know of my journey so far
0: but it it sounds uh, too odd for me like because at times it's all about what's in the product right why should we really care or concern be concerned about the age of the company it's uh <laughs> no, I, I did
1: some research on that so i talked to some of my investors i, I some of them so uh, so and, and you know it it, it it plays in people's mind and i think there's some truth to it Naveen. Uh, let's be honest about it, like, you know, what if we fold overnight? What if something goes wrong? I mean, people have those kind of things, right? And those decisions, with all due respect to them, those decision makers, when they take decisions, I mean, they are also putting their rapport at stake, right? If something goes wrong, a finger will be pointed at them. So understand that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, uh, as I said, you know, uh, people need to trust the startups like, you know, these people, they should do your own due diligence. But, uh, but you know, definitely the kind of hunger a startup will have i can guarantee you a established player won't have and the yes. kind of problems we will able to solve the kind of customer service uh, we will be able to provide nobody else can provide yeah so i think you know that's one message if if, uh, if people are listening to this and you are one of the so 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 uh DCN makers for a startup give them a chance if yeah. you don't give them a chance who will yeah right? And we all are entrepreneur. We have done something in our life, you know. So I was VP engineering two big companies,
2: yeah. right? And yeah. I was
1: I I had customers like big customers like Google, uh, Apple, and those kind of those were my customers. Johnson Johnson's, and Johnsons. I served those customers. So yeah. I had that experience, right? Uh, behind in my belt. Yeah. So yeah, but again, you know, as I said, you know, convincing people is a difficult one.
0: Yeah. Con Concur with you. All right. So now uh, moving ahead. People have this question, especially the freshers. Okay, should I uh, join an established organization, okay, with X Y Z package, or should I join a startup? Right. We always say, as you pointed out uh, earlier, joining startups is always risky, and the more the risk, more the reward as well. Right. So, what are other factors, okay, which will help um, them decide before joining a startup? What should one look for?
1: Before joining the startup, right? what yes. kind of research third one should do? Yeah,
0: Ooh, per- great question,
1: Naveen. Uh, thanks for asking me this. So, uh, I'll, I'll some of the experience I'll share with uh, with hold in hand. It, it is not to show off. It is just to share my experience, like you know what worked for me. So, so the keep that in that spirit, please. See, uh, before you join, why are we joining a startup? One question we have to answer. As I said, it does not provide you job security, but still, if you want to do that, uh, one one primary reason is like you know you want to learn quickly. Right, uh, you will get those opportunities now. Before joining a startup, what kind of research you should do? So, you, you know, uh, if you're joining a startup, I mean, look at the size of the startup, it the, what stage they are in in their journey. So, startups, the journey starts from like, you know, it, it is just founded, angel and founder have put in their money there, so that's like you know, founder's money. Then, in some stages, like you know, this is where Edirigo is today, we are angel invested, so there are some people who are our friends, family, or some people who believed in angel, we call them angel, they have invested in us. Then comes the series A uh, or pre-series, you know, some money has come in, which is not even called series A. So there are are different stages of investment, right? And and those stages are basically linked to the revenue of the company or growth of the company. So series A, series B, series C, series D and all that, right? So first thing you have to see where the startup is, right? So that one thing, uh, definitely, uh, I'll pay a lot of attention to. Then the second thing, how much money they have? You know, what is their burn rate? How much, how much runway they have? So let's say, let's say, you know, you're joining a company, which is Series A company. We have just raised Series A money, right? Now, you know, without, without raising Series B, how much runway they have? How do you decide that? How do you figure that out? You look at their burn rate, right? How much they are burning per month or per year? right so and those are easy calculations it's not difficult calculation and I, I, as i said you know before joining my pune startup uh, i did all those calculations so you know so you, you should look at the burn rate you can find out burn rate you know number of employees they have you know you can do back uh, back of the envelope calculation and you know how much money they are earning burning every month and based on the money they raise so you know they have two years of money so even if they generate zero revenue at least no my job is secure for two, two years periodically speaking correct then uh, we talked about technology of course you, you know you should look at the technology so a startup will not be working on n number of things they will be working on like very few four or five things so you know that does that technology attract you does it fit into your profile that's one thing because you, know, you will go very deep in those in those technologies that's something i, I would pay attention to we talked about burn rate and then the, I think the uh, I mean, you know, most important thing uh, I would look for uh, is founders, most important thing by far, right? Uh, founders or co-founders, you, you know, uh, what they have done in the past. Uh, I'm not looking for a successful exit or, or whatever, but, you know, I, I would just look at their experience, what they have done in their past life, because these are the people who are sort of, you know, will be driving the company, right? so when when i'm talking about founders uh, you know uh, i would definitely try to meet them so uh, depending on the stage like even if that company is 100 people company typically founders will talk to you during interview process so you should definitely try you should insist actually that you know uh, uh, can i can i meet founders and then when you are meeting founders you have done the research uh, on them try to figure out uh, how, how these people are how friendly these people are what is their philosophies and all those things the reason I'm saying that your life will depend on your founders behavior the culture so when I say behavior I'm talking about culture if your founder is abusive if you found out uh, that you know that person is abusive that he or she is abusive I can guarantee you that culture will percolate down and then you will find that your managers will be abusive because that's the norm right so uh, so I'll share my uh, example like you know when I was doing this research, These are all the things I looked at: the funding, the burn rate, uh, the kind of customers. One more, one more thing which I missed. Like you know, you want to know what traction they have in the market. So of course, you you want to do some research over the customers if they they already acquired some customers or you know you know they they have a pipeline. Uh, So and and you can ask all these questions. These are all very relevant questions to ask. What is your pipeline? You know, when do you plan to uh, break even? Like you can ask them if you just don't uh, grow. Will you, when when will you break even and all those things right so when i was doing my research i did a lot of research on founders and, and to be very honest i joined for that so uh, the, the pune-based company i'm talking about i just went for founders i fell in love with one of them like you know uh, the culture the kind of humbleness i saw and i said you know i want to work with these people because you know whatever happens i will get to learn something and i was them right so, so these are the few things, you know, I will, I will pay attention to now when I'm looking for no. a startup.
2: Yeah.
0: Extremely useful. <laughs> Extremely useful. And now uh, uh, when it comes to joining a startup, right? Some Sometimes they may not offer huge packages, but they give you good amount of stock options and all, right? So how should somebody balance the stock
2: options versus salary?
1: Okay. See, uh, you know, very easy uh, question for me to answer. You are joining a startup. Let's say you, know, you have options to join a well-established company versus startup. What's the difference? The difference salary-wise, you know, in all likelihood, they will match your salary. Or they might give you a little less, which is fine. You're taking a chance here, right? You're taking a chance because you want to make something big. So why, why not to take this chance with full heart and then you know, give, uh, give a chance to your stock options? So uh, if I, were, I can advise one thing don't look at your salary package so much when you're joining a startup look at stock options you should join a startup again you know you will get a stock option only when you're joining let's say till series c or series d time beyond that typically i've seen like you know companies don't give stock options uh, that freely because there are restrictions right uh, they're they are getting into a territory where giving stock options are difficult and by the time the valuation also has gone up where stock option may not make so much sense. If you're talking about a pre-series or a series A company or series B, I think that's the right time to get into a company. Okay. After doing all the due diligence. And that's when you know you ask for stock option. And typically at the time, I mean, you know, you get a stock option is a price which is very interesting. So if I take a US company example, if I take I mean you know this option price in US dollars, and I think we'll discuss some of this in more details. Those will be in cents or in a single-digit dollar, or if it is India-based company, like ten rupees, twenty rupees, or those kind of things. Those are very attractive prices. So your options are at that price, and from that price, when company grows, there is no limit. This this prices can and if you are at the right startup, this prices can touch thirty dollar, forty dollar, hundred dollar, even two hundred dollar, and think about the kind of money you are making there then, right? Depending on the number of stock options you have. So I would say, I would suggest like, you know, salary versus uh, stock options. If you're taking a chance with a startup, anyway, you have taken a big chance. So then I would suggest like, you know, uh, go big and then negotiate for a uh, stock options. Again, taking my example, uh, when I was, all the startups, again, you know, uh, my preference was stock option. That's the only thing I, I negotiated on. And, and, you know, that gives confidence to founders as well, that this guy is coming for us not for the money because you know, when I have options I'm sort of married to that company for a certain time and I'm believing in that company because my stock option will make me money only when the company is successful so you know I'm just behaving like a founder like uh, you know uh, give me stock options because I personally feel like you guys we, together will make it big so I'm part of the journey so I'm giving more confidence to founders as well right so uh, so that's the that's the answer salary stock options pay more attention to stock
0: options if you can continuing on this uh, stock options nikesh how about the vesting schedule
1: oh all right so uh, so vesting uh, let me just define that first uh, so vesting uh, spelled as like v e s t vest right and ing vesting uh, schedule like you no know, so when when company gives you stock options they give you stock options at a certain price so that you know uh, you can buy your stock at that price so let's say they're given you a stock option is 50 cents. So uh, once they are exercisable, like once they are vested, uh, you can buy them and they become your stock, right? Your shares. So that vesting is schedules typically divided in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in like four years, typically, and I'll give you a couple of uh, versions of it. So uh, so this four, let, let's say let's say you, you one is given 2,000 stock option. So that 2,000 stock options will get Divided into four chunks, 25% each for each year. So this is spread over four four years. First year is typically called cliff period. Cliff period. So you know you join the company on let's say first of November you join that company for the entire year nothing will get vested. Vested means like they are becoming yours. You get ownership or you you can exercise them. You get authority to buy those stock. That is called vesting. So once you on your first anniversary. So you joined in 2022, 1st November, 2023, the 25% of those stocks, that in this case, 500 stocks will be exercisable, right? And then the next, next 500, next 25% in the next second year, then third year and fourth year. Now, good thing, like remaining 1 1,500, they will not take years to uh, waste. You know, after that, the typical period is like monthly period. So, uh, that 1,500 stocks will get divided into 36 months, the remaining three years, and every month, a part of that will be wasted. So, you know, it becomes, it will become exercisable. So, that's one version of it. That's the most, 80% of the companies follow this. Now, there are some companies, there is no legal binding here to the company. They can decide the vesting schedule. So, some companies may have five years. Some companies may say, you know, your clip itself is three years. Or some companies may say, "Well, you know what? There is no cliff. There is no uh, monthly schedule. Uh, after three years, you get all the stock options, so people can do that." Typically, using stock options, companies are trying to retain you. Obviously, right? That's why you know they want to spread it, so so that you know on the day one you don't get everything, and you know it becomes yours. So they want you to earn that. So some companies, uh, you know, will just say after five years you will get everything. So you are stuck for five years. Yeah. But in this case, the one which I just talked about, this is, which is the most common, and all my companies had this one, uh, like you know, first year cliff, twenty five percent, and then after that, every month I was getting some stock options, which were becoming my, uh, which were becoming exercisable, yeah. so I could buy them, right? Yeah. So that's the vesting schedule. I hope I answered it uh, properly, Naveen. It's clear.
0: Yeah, it is quite informative because even I was not aware of these nuances, especially for startups, because I have been associated with the corporates, major corporations so far. And in one of the companies, what they did is they had a two year lock in period and you can yeah. only waste it after two years. And likewise, right. every year they allot you based on the performance and all. Yeah. But this uh, one year cliff period is something new to me, even in learning. So I'm sure it uh, will be beneficial to the audience as well. Yeah. Same and, thing uh, applies
1: to your RSUs. Uh, just, just yeah. you know, just uh, RSUs. The restrictive stock unit which typically uh established company like general electric you yeah. work for i work for sap yahoo yeah. so they give you rsu so rsu's follow similar kind of a schedule so the vesting schedule like you know if they give you 2000 rsu's uh you know 25 of that will become excisable basically those rsu's are actually actual stocks so you know you don't have to you just sell them right uh, once you uh after the v- vesting happens so right Everybody follows that, and as I said, in you know, some companies I don't appreciate that, uh, which follow this uh, longer cliff period because you know uh, you get stuck with them, and yeah. uh, I don't appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it it is almost like you don't want to pull out because of that, and uh, person might work half-hearted, right?
2: <laughs> Just yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's stuck. Yeah,
1: I mean you know uh, we will talk about that. In some cases, trust me, you know even exercising the stock options is a tough nut. Right. So I, I'll talk about that uh, yeah
0: so, yeah maybe yeah. you can you can uh, shed more light on that exercising the stock
2: options
1: stock options uh, once they are wasted, right now the question is like you know uh, what, what do I do with them right they are wasted now they are they're mine uh, to exercise so before that you know we should talk about what are the exit opportunities for me right so exit opportunities like you know how do I make money out of it So one obvious exit opportunity Naveen, I mean, is like when my when my company goes i p right when company goes IPO, I can trade that on stock exchange, whichever stock exchange you're trading, right? But tell, let me tell you let me tell you this, uh, going IPO, 90% of the cases, or rather I would say 95% of cases, you won't see that. Very difficult. It's a difficult business, right? Going IPO is like you know, 10, 12-year journey. Now, are you going to stay with that company for that long? You don't know. There are a lot of, if, 12 years is a very long period, right? So even for founders, it is a very long period. So one exit opportunity is the ideal one for everybody is like the company goes IPO, and then you start, you basically sell your stocks there. The other exit opportunities are like an acquisition happens, right? So you are vested. Let's say you're 25% vested today. And a company comes, a third party comes, a private equity or whatever it is, they buy your company, the entire company. So in that case, they will have to buy your options as well. Right? So in that case, you know what will happen? Let's say your options are at $1. And this company who is coming and acquiring, it is acquiring at $30. What it will do? It will pay you $29. You don't have to exercise in that case. It's a cashless transaction. Next paycheck, you will see that $29 into whatever number of stocks were wasted, they exercisable for you, minus tax. So you know I'm just adding the tax part also there. So minus tax that money will come into your bank account. And typically, you know, uh, it's like a bonus account. This is how it is created. It gets added to your salary. So you're paying basically 30% tax on that. In some cases, if you're in the highest bracket, 39%, and you are paying it to the government where you're working. So if you're working in India, although you're working for an American company, if you you know if these are in India, you will be paying to Indian government, And company will deduct it. You don't have to worry about it, you know, before they pay you the money. So, so coming back to the exercising, like, you know, why should I exercise? So one is acquisition. I don't have to exercise. Somebody came, they bought me and automatically it got exercised. Second thing, let's say, let's say, you know, you're quitting the company or you get laid off. Right. Now, 12 years, anything can happen. I mean, you know, so let's say, you know, you quit after three years. So you were 75% vested out of 2000. Let's say you had 1500, which were exercisable. What do you do? So you want to exercise, then you have to take a decision whether you should exercise or not. So once that date happen, exit date, whether you quit voluntarily or you get fired, you know, you have 90 days to exercise. That's the legal binding on the company themselves, right? So you have 90 days to arrange for the money and then exercise. Now there's a tricky part to it. The tricky part is like, you know, when you exercise, how do you exercise? You send for, for those 1500 stock options, priced at $1 because your options were given at $1. So you have to arrange for $1,500. Correct? And you have to send that money to the uh, company, the finance department. And there's a process for that. So, uh, I mean, these is all standard things. Now, you know, that's not easy. There's a there's a caveat to it. And people need to understand that, uh, you know, a small problem. So let's say your stock options were given at $1. Now, company, th- this were given at the pre-series time. The company's stock, uh, Value that time was you know maybe one dollar. That's why they gave you one dollar. But company is growing now. The stock value is growing. Share value is growing. Now let's say it has become twenty one dollar when you are exercising. Yeah. So you are making a profit. One dollar was your option price. The stock has become twenty one dollar value. So when you are exercising those fifteen hundred, you will end up paying tax on that paper profit. Twenty. Mm-hmm, 20- mm-hmm. 21 minus 1, which is $20, that's your profit. The government will say, Well, you're making profit, pay tax. tax." And that tax will be 40%, close to 40%, right? That is $8, roughly. So now you have to pay $8 per stock plus $1, $9. Now $9 multiplied by $1,500. That is the kind of money you will have to pay to exercise. Now, that's a lot of money. Now, you know, the risk is like, you know, uh, if you purchase a stock and the stock doesn't do well, It goes down, or company closed down. After that, that's that you lose all the money, and what most importantly, now whatever that one dollar you may not worry about, that is a small amount. But this eight dollar is huge money. And now let's say we were just talking about fifteen hundred. Let's say you're ten thousand. Now suddenly, you know that tax money itself becomes so so huge. So that's where I think you need to work out your exercising strategy. So it will be beneficial for you to exercise when the fair market value that twenty one dollar is the called fair market value. That's not the market value. Market value could be different because, you know, they might attach premium to it, right? So, you, it is beneficial for you to exercise the stock options when the fair market value is your stock price and the fair market value there's not huge of the difference. So, let's say, you know, you joined at Series A time and during Series C time also, fair market value was 3 or $4. I would exercise, I would exercise, keeping all these things in mind. Right, because now the, the tax amount I'm paying the $1 I have to pay anyways yeah. right? that's the option price but the tax liability is basically just $2 now or $3 uh, uh, my, sorry my benefit uh, the, the, the profit I'm making is $3 so tax liability becomes another $1 so instead of uh, you know, uh, $1 I'm just paying $2 which is still doable but if that goes up then I think you know, in some cases I know uh, the pe- people if, even if they want to exercise they can't exercise because of this tax thing because mm-hmm. com- and company has done very well. Mind you, the company has done very well. Your stock option price was cents or lower dollar, but the company's price has become $50 or $100. There is no way in the world you can exercise. I got stuck into one of such things. It was very, I mean, you know, uh, again, I'm not boasting. I'm just sharing because my exercise, just to exercise, I needed three or four CR. Wow. Mm-hmm. How do I bring that money? Where do I bring that money from? Now, in that case, some companies know, uh, companies also do realize that problems uh, and then you know uh, in some cases companies become kind enough to give an option that you don't have to excise even if you quit you know don't worry you know we'll take care of it so you you sign an agreement and then you know those stock options are there but just imagine if those companies were not that kind then you know how do you exercise? you just basically just, you, you worked hard and you had to leave everything on the table yeah because i cannot go to a bank and say give me pcr so that then i can uh, exercise my stock option and then kind of risk i'm taking what if that company goes down mm. right so so you know you know a lot and lot, lot of people would face this problem mm-hmm. so, so so to exercise coming back to our original question be smart exercise a, a, a at the right time one more advantage which i will, I will talk about our exercising early you know if you own see stock options you are not owning the stocks remember this stock options are just an option the english word option you have option to buy. When you exercise, you are basically exercising your option and that's where you purchase the stock. So once you purchase the stock, that becomes yours. And if you keep it with you for two years, the long-term capital gain comes into play. If I buy the stock, immediately sell it, whatever profit I make, I have to pay 30% or whatever bracket I am in, that tax, because that basically gets added to my income. But if I buy the stock and keep it with me for two years, you know, I have this advantage, a long term capital gain, and then, you know, uh, that tax is just to 20%. So I certainly say a lot of tax as well. So, you know, for that purpose, I think I would suggest people, uh, people, especially who are working for a startup, consider buying it, you know, if you can take some risk, but you know, it is always advantages, uh, Advantages. If it goes beyond your limit, then I think you're stuck.
0: Yeah, M- makes sense. Uh thank you for sharing that amazing stuff actually like it it
2: is
0: (laughs) and uh, as i said earlier it is learning to me as well and uh, we are unleashing a lot of stuff on the tax part you said the 40 percent right and uh, that 40 percent is applicable to everybody respective of the tax bracket or how does it work
1: Uh, it is not so it it depends on like you know the the stock money basically gets added to your salary of that Mm. year Mm-hmm. That financial mm-hmm. year, right? You're right. Now, you know, typically, if it is stock option, I'm assuming like it's gonna be huge money, so automatically it will change your tax bracket, right? Yeah. So after adding up that money and your annual salary, whichever tax bracket you fall in, okay. Your payroll will deduct tax accordingly. Okay. Most of the cases, you know, uh, if it is huge sum, you know, you go to the highest uh, bracket. So that's why I said forty percent. If if that money is small, then of course, you no. Know, if you are in thirty percent bracket, you will pay that much.
0: Okay, got it. Now I have an interesting question about the co-founders. Uh, typically, what should we do if we are starting our own venture? We we come across few talented individuals who complement our skills, and at times, initially there will be a lot of momentum. But as we progress down the lane, right, we lose that particular steam. So how do we be cautious and make sure that they are energized equally as our as as co-founders, right? Yeah, co-founders.
1: Uh, see it's a it's natural progression I mean I would say in some cases like you know uh, let's say there are two or three co-founders in a company now are they all committed in the same with the same intensity everybody has a different goal in life the co-founders have come together because you know goal look common but two three years of journey you know uh, if things are not in all likelihood things won't go as, plan, as per plan as, as per your plan right so you need to keep talking to them like you know it happens to us also like you know we keep founders we keep talking and you know uh, we have differences as well right so we overcome those differences and we respect each other uh, as founders i think you know we have huge respect uh, for each other so we, we listen to each other like sometimes he will give in sometimes i'll give in and all those things right so uh, as long as you are sh- able to show that growth i'm sure you know, everybody will be uh, equally involved as i said uh, bringing in money uh, is that most difficult part because that that is one thing you see if, if all all are getting we all have to run our houses. So the, there has to be some money which is we should be coming in, right? So as long as those things are taken care of, I think you know uh, life will be set. So in some cases like you know getting the funding at the right time becomes very critical to keep that momentum going, I think there are a lot of factors which are there. If I'm seeing light at the end of the tunnel, I would be in, no matter what. And and my message to everybody, like, you know, this, I keep telling to myself, be patient. I'm a very impatient guy. Ask my wife. She will tell me, like, man, you're so impatient, right? So, you know, so that's what I'm learning. I have to be patient. You know, it takes, it takes 10 to 12 years to see any result. First four or five years, don't expect too much. I'm not talking about those founders, you know, some companies, they get a lot of funding, but they the way they go up they might come down very easily so you know i'm talking about the organic growth is very important organic growth is the important very important thing so you know go slow uh, build that foundation very strong foundation and once the foundation is strong of whatever business you are doing then automatically things will happen and it takes one day i'm telling you i've seen that it takes one day one customer which will just come and then basically you know the rest will be history no be patient just wait for the day
0: yeah. quite quite inspirational and encouraging all right so this has been serious conversation nikesh let's add some spice all right <laughs> so i have a new set of uh, uh, rapid fire questions and let me fire the first bullet out of rapid fire in which subject were you best in the school
1: oh that's an easy one math
0: by <laughs> far
1: i mean that was my favorite uh, subject and I was, uh, I was
0: good at that that's nice and what scares you nikesh What
1: scares me? uh, There are a lot of things. One thing, uh, if I may, yeah, I mean, this is personal. Uh, (laughs) I'm always, especially after this COVID, you know, I'm always scared of losing somebody very close to me. Yeah. And during COVID, I saw that from very close quarters and I'm sure we all, and some of us might have lost people. So that scares me. Like I'll just share, uh, I I was, this was... uh, October of, uh, I think, 2020, we have just started up. And I was meeting my team in Jaipur. Uh, and then COVID, if you remember, uh, the first wave had just gone down and then still the impact was there. My mother called me and she said, I lost my smell. And I was sitting in the room with my team. Uh, trust me, you know I almost died right there. I was so scared. Because you know everything goes into your mind that time. And I took the next flight available and i went back to uh, indoor and you know my doctor friend told me don't go home you know send a driver because we, we, we had to take her to hospital i did not do i did not think and i said if she, uh, you know uh, i just took my car uh, from my friend's place went to my home asked my mother to sit in the car of course you know, we, we were taking all the precautions and everything and i said let's go to the hospital my friend doctor friend warned me but don't do that i told him if she can take risk of carrying me for nine months, this is just nine kilometers to the hospital. I should, you know, so I did not even think. Now, those few things basically, you know, scares me, and I'm sure, you know, it will, uh, it will happen someday. You know, we all have to go uh, from this world, but you know, that's something I'm still trying to overcome. So I keep playing that in my mind. So yeah. sorry, long answer, but you know, yeah. it was it was a little emotional for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Same with me. I've lost a few dear ones, and it is. Uh, uh, Completely indigestible, like uh, didn't even expect and especially wave two, like we were worried the moment phone rings, we're so scared to attend what who is going to deliver what kind of news and all and it happened on a single day where we had to hear three to four bad news and uh, yeah, I can relate to that. So moving to my next question, what success means to you Nikesh?
1: Oh, okay. So uh, see again, you know, I think in a last interview, I said I don't use three words success regret and failure, right? <laughs> but I will, I, I'll I just, I'll, I'll, let, let, me, let me answer this differently. See, success means di- different things to different people, right? I'll, I'll take my example, Eddie Rigo's example. So, you know, August 2020, I had hung my boots. I didn't want to work for corporate. A lot of people before that also asked me, why don't you start your own company? And, uh, you know, I, I, I would say it's not my cup of tea. Entrepreneurship is not cup, my cup of tea. And the reason was not like, you know, I didn't want to do it. I was scared to do it. I was in my comfort zone. I loved my salary. Every month, the salary paycheck, which comes, I used to love it. So during those time also, you know, I wouldn't uh, give it away. So for me, the starting up, see, today also, if honestly, I'm saying this in a lot of humbleness uh, with uh, folded hand. Uh, if I go to market, I'm sure I can grab an offer, which is two CR, three CR. And I had those kind of opportunities, C-level opportunities i have given up those things and i started up and for 2 years navin i have not made a single penny
2: yeah
1: right yeah to me that success overcoming that inhibition
2: yeah
1: That success to me now whether edirigo will make big or not i don't know but for me edirigo was successful the day it was founded by me
2: yeah
1: because when i overcame that inhibition yeah. so yeah so this is how i define success so yeah that's yeah. my answer
0: oh mind-blowing <laughs> it will become big for sure edurigo will become big i, I, I can so. see that thank passion you. always like you have it is your baby like
1: <laughs> I, I just hope so you know yeah uh, thank you for your wishes of course yeah
0: yeah and and what is something that you don't like doing
1: ah okay
0: there are a lot
1: of things but you know we'll just keep it uh this time and i'll just try to keep that in corporate domain diplomacy and politics Two things, you know, uh, very difficult for me to do. Mm -hmm. Diplomacy, when I say, you know, I cannot sugarcoat things. Diplomacy is not a bad word, by the way. I'm saying, you know, we all need to learn a little bit of diplomacy, the way you say things. For me, like, I'm a very direct guy. So uh, uh, I cannot do politics, one thing. Uh, I cannot do diplomacy. And uh, in 26 of my career, uh, or rather I would say 24 of corporate career, we never did any politics. And I, I advise people not to get into that. It's not worth it. So that's something I hate to do mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. okay
0: great <laughs> same with me actually <laughs> You yeah. can totally relate <laughs> and yeah tell me the nickname your parents used to call you when you were uh, young
1: oh man I didn't see that coming so uh, <laughs> parents actually my nickname uh, was given to me by my uncle so like almost like parent uh, so uh, there's a story behind it when I was born I was I had a lot of baby fat Mm-hmm. right so you know that remained for, for seven eight years so i think because of that my uncle started calling me w so that word w uh, alphabet w mm-hmm. for whatever reasons uh and then you know whenever i uh, whenever i go in colony we used to live in a small colony so whenever i'm going to school and all that i still i still carried that uh, baby fat so his friends and all people will call me w and funny thing is like you know, i mean you know even if i go to indore today if i meet those friends they will not call me by my name. They don't even know. They will just say, <laughs> How are you W? And I, I, I find it very funny. I laugh at it. And I love it. Because yeah. uh, your nickname, people who call you by nickname, I mean, they are very close to you, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's my nickname. In In fact, I, I used to, I, I named a couple of my engineering friends uh, by different names and all. And uh, the names have become so popular, they forget their original names actually. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah it happens to it happens so, lot of people don't know my name yeah. nikesh right you know, when i go back they would i have two nicknames one is sadai which my parents gave uh-huh. so my parents of course call me by name by that name uh, uh-huh. and a lot of close friends uh, they call me by that
0: name but yeah a lot of people wouldn't know my real name <laughs> mm. <laughs> so, very interesting and the last one for the rapid fire G- given a chance would you prefer going invisible or acquiring super strength going invisible what would you do if you go invisible?
1: I mean, you know, you, you don't have to show off any, to anybody, right? You, you know, uh, if that's what you, you meant by invisible, like, you know, keep a low profile. I've always kept low profile. Okay. K- keep it that way.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, super strength is like, you know, uh, you, okay. So if you're, if you meant by Mr. India thing, yeah, yeah. Invisible, is, invisible is great. I mean, you know,
0: yeah.
1: you, uh, Mr. India could do so many things. <laughs> right,
0: right, right. Yeah. Great rapid fire, and let's get back to the mainstream. And before I let you go, one final question: What will be your one piece of advice to those planning to start their own venture who want to be an entrepreneur?
1: Start that. Don't wait. It's a it's the best thing uh, which will happen to you. Of course, you no, know, take care of a lot of things. Be prepared. Uh, as I said, I started it when I, I had retired myself, right? So you know that money problem was not there. So even if I don't make money for another. Whatever duration, I think you know, I have enough to survive, right? Yeah. But if you are starting at that stage, then I think you are playing very safe. So you are good. But typically, you know, when you start quitting a job, uh, you have a family to run, kids are going to the school, be careful. Of course, you know, you, you, you should have visibility of two, three years. You should be able to survive. But I would suggest like startup India. I mean, you know, next 10, 12 years, this is your time. Leave it or use it, right? Yeah. So starting up today is the best thing. Uh, don't wait, and uh, and uh, another thing, Navin. I mean, just to add a little bit to it, you, you don't have to start up. Go and join a startup, right? I'll just give. I mean, just to share some example here. Like you know, some of the people, I, I had given them stock options that time, 2015 time frame. Those guys are millionaire today.
2: Yeah,
1: right. And and you know, these are not like uh, big shots. They were like you know all uh, senior engineer. Associate engineer and all those things. So uh, you don't have to start up. a startup at times. You don't have to become an entrepreneur. If you don't want to do that, you know, go and join a ch- take a chance with a startup. It's more or less same. Yeah. You're like a founder.
2: yeah Yeah. Awesome.
0: Amazing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, Nikesh. Thank, Thank you sure. again. Thank you for coming to the show and sharing your wonderful insights. And I would definitely want to call you back again in future with some another exciting topic. Thanks for oh, your time yeah. and insights. <laughs>
2: Thank
1: you, Naveen. You have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you. All
0: right. Thank you. So, folks, before we move into the trivia section, in case here is a small request to you, in case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe to The Guiding Voice from the app where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved the episode and found the conversation useful, request you to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from The Guiding Voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now, let's hop into the trivia segment of today's episode. So, today we had some enlightening conversation about startups, pros and cons of startups, and what are the stock options, how to vest them, how to exercise, what are the exit opportunities, so on and so forth. And I would like to extend a few facts about startups. You know, the first one is 90% of the people think that startups are only tech-based. Like if you observe large companies like Uber, Google, Facebook, these are all tech-based startups. That's why most people think that startups are only tech-based. But there are many other non-tech-based and popular startups like WeWork, Pinterest, Tinder, and many more. And the second fact is one in three people starts with about $5,000 US in the United States. And 58% of the entrepreneurs get started with less than $25,000. And uh, startups like selling things online, online classes, creating an app or game, Such type of startups can be easily started with about 5,000 USD. And the last one is about 90% of the startups fail while reaching the second year. And only 30% survive till 10 years. And most of the startups fail mainly due to marketing and budgeting, which leads to a failure by the second year. And other reasons like could be lack of goal, less profit team problems no competitor analysis and many more but overall we need a lot of patience in order to succeed in your venture and at the same time as nikesh mentioned in case if you have good set of founders and co-founders there should be extreme levels of commitment and everybody should believe in their idea because if you don't believe in your idea nobody else will believe so that's all from today and in case if you have any great startup stories do share with us on social media or reach out to us through email the guiding voice for you at gmail.com similarly you can also pass me on some topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions friends i'm your host navin samala just a fellow it professional but on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe thank you so much for joining me until next time bye bye see you all in the next video